Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 56. It's the pod named after the fact that in Australia you have to stay up all night if you want to watch all the European football. That's what we're going to talk about here. Uh, Tommy's on the other end of the line with me. I'm going to start with just some trivial shit here, mate, if you don't mind. Um, you ever been into football boots? Uh, just a touch. There's nothing like the beginning of a new season and you look at your old crappy pair and think, fuck, only managed three goals in these out of 28 games. Um where can I go and fix the issue? It's not my own technique or my own ability. It's a new pair of boots. Yeah, I reckon there's definitely there's a, a slew of amateur footballers out there that think they're going to get better with their boots. I think it's, it's like golf clubs. If you're no good to begin with, getting better clubs ain't going to cut it, champ. Ain't going to do it. What's the, what's the, if you don't mind me asking, what's the most you've ever spent on football boots, you think? Oh, ah. Uh... Oh, this is, I mean, it's like asking a guy how much he earns. Mm. Not, not much, oh, but... The big questions. It, it, <laughs> in context, I spent way too much on the last pair of football boots I ever bought. I think it was yeah. like $180 at the time. And that's not even the top end. No, that's, that's cheap for a lot of people. I know guys that are spending like, you know, upwards of three, 400 bucks on boots each year. Oh, um, God. How I many games are you getting out of that? Oh, like 20-odd. You count all the preseason games. I don't know. Yeah. Then there's guys that have like two pairs, you know, played with a C-grade goalkeeper who wanted to change his boots halfway through the second half once. I was like, a mate, goalkeeper? Just, yeah. I was like, mate, just wear the ones that are on your feet, like, or don't, <laughs> like, whatever, they're boots. Um, yeah, I've, I, I don't think I've ever paid more than maybe $119 for a pair of boots. I say $119, sounds specific. But it when is. do you, you never see boots labeled 120? So it's going to be $119.99 to be exact, probably. Um, never. But I've always been happy to go in and look for what's on special and just, yep. oh, what's that? That's black. It's my size. That'll do. Yep. You don't care that it's two seasons ago. You don't care that nah. it doesn't have the latest knitwear or, or Superfly technology or whatever it is. Well, <laughs> look, the reason this comes up is a, a good friend of mine, we won't name any names, came home. Oh, I think I've given it away. Uh, <laughs> he came in and showed me. Oh, someone you live with. His new pair of boots. Yep. Um, well, I won't tell you the price, but it's it's more than what we, you and I would pay. Um, good guy. Handy player. Um, he's getting a full run up top in the A's this year. Yeah. And he, he's gone extravagant. It's it's blue and orange and it's it's synthetic all around. And oh, gorgeous. I just, all I said to him was, you're going to wear these boots. You have to score a goal every single game. There's a target on your back now, man. There's a target on your back for sure if you're going to wear bright boots. Um, I've always hid from that and tried to wear black boots, mostly. Um, I've been very lucky the last few seasons. I haven't bought a pair of boots for like three seasons. I was very lucky. Um, one of the uh, legendary goalkeeper and now uh, chairman of our soccer club, he uh, very graciously and generously donated a pair of boots to me a few years ago and then the next year gave me another pair so um shit yeah uh, last year they were guy. last year they were white though and i was a bit iffy i was like oh no they're white but they also had they had our soccer club's initials it uh stitched in the side in gold so oh, that's, um that's cool them you know wore them this year i got another pair given to me by uh what well, my my partner's sister's boyfriend Yep, tenuous. I like it. Was kind enough to give me a pair of boots that he had because he uh, 
went back on his word and isn't coming out to play soccer with us. So, uh, <laughs> but bought a new pair anyway. So I scabbed the pair of boots off him because we're the same size. I was like, oh, well, if you're not going to wear them, <laughs> generous. No, that, look, that's totally fun. He, yeah. like, he hasn't worn them, has he? Just a couple of times. No, nah, I don't think he's worn them at all. So, oh, dude, come on, it's a new pair of boots. Except to try it on. So, exactly. Yeah, there we go. Take it when you get them. Hey, are that's you a, enough, um, uh, oh, you got are you, sure? no, you are you a leather leather synthetic guy? Well, I just I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell just you what the boots I, get. I currently have are. You know, all I do is I put them on, I run toward the goals, and I score. That's what I do. That's my it's thing. Simple. Yeah, it's a simple game. It's a simple game. You don't need boots to make you better. It's not motorsport. I'm not saying boots make you better at motorsport. I'm saying <laughs> buying things that are good makes you better at that sport. <laughs> Do you want to talk about some actual football games and stuff? Yeah. Can we? Can we please? <laughs> yeah, sure. Where should we start? I, I suppose we'll start at the top of the pile in England this week because um, very interesting games at the top of the table. The league leader City smashing United in a Manchester derby, and then we also had Liverpool with a narrow win against a, a brave. Is there any more patronizing way of describing a team than brave? A brave West Ham, courageous. Yep. Yeah, it's all the it's all the sentiments of a hero that doesn't have a six seed. Yeah, uh, they are massive though, West Ham. So uh, they are massive. Yeah, they're massive. Don't, you can't discount that. Massively um, dropping out of the top seven. Massively doing that. Where should we start with this? Uh, what have you got for me? City, Liverpool, whatever. Yeah, uh, I just I guess the Manchester derby was probably the biggest game of the weekend, but it's it's bigger. It's always bigger than when like before that it's played because then as soon as you get into the into the game, you realize oh shit, these teams are nothing alike. Like they're not they're not on the same plane of quality whatsoever. You know, yeah. the first half, Man U hung in there, I suppose. Jaden Sancho scored a decent goal, um, but damn, in the second half, did City come out and play? My God, they just turned on the afterburners and. The individual quality is too good. Yep. United can get near it. And as the memes going around of like Edison standing like pretty much on halfway and saying this is pretty much his job in the second half. It's like I think wow. in the in the in the same graphic it was like eighty eight percent to twelve percent possession in the last fifteen minutes, and they were flashing that up as Edison was just crouching on halfway, doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it re- and like I know you hate XG, but Man U created zero point zero zero XG in the second half. Boy, do I, I hate XG! That really just illustrates that they created nothing in way yeah. of attacking play. I've had, a, I've seen. <laughs> we're trying not to have another big dig at United, but it's just so easy. It is really easy, isn't it? They're a bit, uh, you know. Oh, well, we had players out. We had a played a midfielder up front. Uh, so did City. Yeah, so they have most so of the did City. Um, Phil Foden starting up front. I don't know how that makes and, and Gabriel scored. Jesus feel, but um, there you go. He scored anyway. So, um, oh, do you want a quick sidebar on Jesus? Yeah, go. How on. many other how many other teams in the Prem do you think he would start for? Oh, that is tough. I'm not sure. Heaps. Definitely the bottom ten. Definitely the then- bottom ten, and then. You look you know, at other clubs, maybe like a Wolves would love him. You know, if Harry Kane ever leaves, yeah. he'd be a decent addition to Spurs. Maybe yeah, I think Arsenal right. would probably get good use out of him. I don't know if he's he's playing over Lacazette. No, probably not, hey. No, probably not. No. no. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I've never rated him hugely. He gets the benefit of... <laughs> he gets to score a lot of tap-ins. 
when he does play because he plays for City. Make the right runs in a team like that, you're gonna you're gonna get the chances. Um, how would he go in a team where he had to create more for himself? Yeah, not sure. Tough one. I would like to back him in and think in a team that relied on him more, maybe even a Villa. But even saying that, Watkins had a really good game this weekend. In a team that relied on him more, maybe you would see more of like a creative flair from him. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what to say about City. They're just, this is what they do when they just turn it on. De Bruyne at his fastest and best looking, like he just unstoppable machine. Yeah. It's he looks frightening. Peak. Yeah. He looks peak at the moment, which is funny because we've said that a few times over his career. Um, yeah. But pro- yeah, definitely the best midfielder in, in England. Um, and his output shows it. Um, just, just the whole city team, the way that they contribute to their attacking play, and yep. the di- the distribution of goals, I think, is a really interesting one to pick up on. Um, you know, you got Riyad Mahrez and Raheem Sterling both on ten each this season, but you go down the list, and KDB's got nine, Foden's got seven, Bernardo Silva's got seven, uh, yep. Gundogan's got five, Rodri, Laporta, they both got three, and then you got Jesus and Grealish and they Ruben Diaz. It goes deep, yeah. There's a lot of goal scorers in this team. It doesn't really matter. They play the same style, same system mostly, but it doesn't matter who they pick or who slides in, whether it's Foden or Grealish playing the false nine. They're going to be devastating. They do have... um, It it helps being able to play that same system no matter who you pick because they do have the... They have better depth than probably anybody, I'd say. Like, their, their second 11 are, you know, pumping a lot of teams. So... Uh, that helps, but yeah, they still got to go out and do it. And I guess on the other side of it, you've got um, a Liverpool side that I guess uh, what are they relying on? Relying on Jota, Mane, Salah this season, pretty much. Yeah, I bet you know between them they've scored such a fucking shit ton of goals. Um, yeah, Salah's got nineteen, Mane and Jota both with twelve. You know, you can rely on these three guys to score goals because you know they're going to score goals. And there hasn't been a moment this season where one of them hasn't popped up. You see on the weekend, you know, it's a really tough game against West Ham. They've got a few guilt edge chances that they don't take. Yeah. Liverpool create a few good ones, but then when Mane pops up in the box, is the guy that's able to dispatch the finish. And that that's the difference. Yeah. Would you prefer a team with a more evenly allocated goal scorers or this kind of thing where you rely on these three guys and they must perform every weekend? I think you do, uh, if we're being sensible, I think you do prefer the the goals to be able to be spread around the team. Um, I just feel like there's always like a an up and down to both, I guess. So, for example, with City, they've got all these goals coming from everywhere, but as soon as they, they struggle in one game, people are like, oh, they need a striker. But do they? They don't. Like, we've, we can see that anybody in that squad can, can score. On the other side of that, you've got Liverpool where, like, you know, the African Cup came along and they were worried about who was going to score their goals and Klopp's having a whinge about, I've got no, I got no one. I've got no players. Because <laughs> um, so, they are just so heavily reliant on... Salah and Mane. That's not to say the rest of their squad aren't good because they are there. Their their depth doesn't go anywhere near as far as cities. But what they do have in that first eleven and maybe maybe on to like 13, bench 14. Well, yeah. yeah, the bench, 15 players maybe that are just incredible. So um yeah, I think I think you want the goals to be spread. But it is fun when you do have a player in your team that is just 
like the guy that just smashes him in every week. Like, you know, growing up watching Thierry Henry, like, you know. Yeah, it's the blitz factor. And that's what you get with Salah and Mane and now Jota as well. I think maybe the proof's in the pudding and that Liverpool have 71 goals to City 68 this season. And, you know, I think you'll probably see Liverpool outscore City by the end of the season as well. And maybe the better the better tactic is to rely on proven goal scorers rather than try and evenly distribute it across the team. I, I'm much more in favour of how Liverpool set up attacking-wise uh, attacking than City. How do you mean? How do you mean attacking-wise? I think for City, you know, a lot of their games, and they have dispatched so many sides, and they've really, I think they've only lost three times this season or something. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, but I think with City, there are more ways to shut them down than there are Liverpool. And I think Liverpool can play, they can obviously play quick in behind if you play a high line or even a, a like a medium high line. Yep. They can also stroke the ball past you and through you. And, you know, their wide play, their fullbacks get forward and they uh, contribute so many assists towards the game. Whereas City, they, they play a really distinct style and they're looking to get their midfielders involved and they want the wide players to cut inside and they want the late runs into the box for the, the striker to tap them in or the false nine to tap them in. Yeah, I think there's more ways to shut them down. Yeah, so like I guess, yeah, Liverpool just have multiple ways of being able to go about it. Um, they have their preferred method that seems to work a lot for them because they're just so good at it. But then they do have other ways, whereas I, I think what it is with City is even if you are looking, even if you know what they do well and you look to stop them from doing it, they're still they're just that good at doing what they do yeah. that it's still good enough a lot of the time. Um, so that's, but I think that's where it gets interesting in like the Champions League with them because that's when they are playing against the top sides from other countries that you know have a few different things about them as well. Um, they can't just come out and wipe the floor with them like they would a Norwich or a Man United. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. That, that's no, I think that's a great point. And it probably flows back to why Liverpool has had a greater success in Europe than Manchester City in, you know, the contextual period. Klopp has won one, Pep hasn't won one for City. So, uh, yeah. Where do you go from this? And they've got like, it's so interesting on the table as well, because obviously it's six points at the moment. Liverpool with a game in hand. Liverpool have only lost the two games. Manchester City, the three. It's the draws that kind of separate it there with um, six draws Liverpool have had to City's three. So um, Liverpool have dropped points in two more games than City, but it's just the, the amount of wins that they just pile up. It's ridiculous, and it just shows the fine margins. This is going to be like the season. I previous. mean, both these teams, by the way, like both yeah. these teams, just pile up wins and just. I agree. They're strolling away. I thought Chelsea were going to be right in the mix with them this season, but it's not panning out that way. Yeah, ditto. I thought Chelsea were going to be much more competitive and able to sit on the coattails of these guys, but they're really just testament to City and Liverpool, and it it looks a lot like the season from uh, two or three years ago, where both of them, you know, Liverpool went the season undefeated and didn't win the league. And it's looking a lot more like that again this season. They're like they're just head and shoulders, both clubs in terms of uh, personnel, you know, winning ability and style. They're the yep. absolute benchmark of England. Yeah, hundred percent. Excellent to watch. Um, Which is just, good as well because sometimes, yeah. it, you know, we think back to Mourinho era Chelsea. Uh, sometimes they weren't great to watch because they would grind out one new wins at home and stuff, and they weren't free-flowing attacking football but both of just, these sides do that they were just ruthlessly ruthlessly good at getting Clinical, the points yeah. yeah yeah um 
it's a, a different a different style of winning, but just probably just yeah, just as um, it's as effective. If I'm repeating myself, yeah, yeah it's as, as effective. effective yeah. But this is more entertaining. It is more entertaining. Yep, for sure. Um, we won't do Man U, but um, the other Liverpool's opponent, West Ham. Uh, just a quick note on them. Like, I guess. Uh, what what goes in their favour, I guess, is that Wolves have kind of stumbled now. Uh, we've got three losses in a row for Wolves and Man United and Man United. So West Ham are kind of still <laughs> still hanging about there. Tottenham kind of in the mix too. So it's yeah, it's interesting times. Yep. No, there's all likelihood that West Ham finish sixth this season and get a really a really useful Europa League place. Um, but I did I did see a club expenditure like net loss transfer spend in the last 10 or 12 years or something like that, West Ham are in the top six spenders in the Premier League and they've won zero trophies in that time. And so I think it's getting to a point now where you would hope that West Ham were winning something, no matter what it was. Yeah, definitely. Um, We'll move on to just, we're not going to go through many of the games from this weekend, but we'll touch on Leicester Leeds, not because we've obviously done Leeds to death recently, given what happened with Bielsa, but we haven't touched on Leicester for quite a while. And I'd kind of just forgotten about them. They'd kind of been floating around mid table. And it's only till I looked just before and noticed that they were sitting in 12th. And you'd have to say they have massively underperformed, wouldn't you? Definitely. I mean, bundled out of the cup by Nottingham Forest. This is a team that promised, you know, they were supposed to be with West Ham this season, you know, maybe in the Wolves position, really challenging the, the established top six and trying to insert themselves after their, you know, their shock league win a few years back. But it just hasn't come to be. And maybe we're at the end of the Brendan Rogers tenure. You know, we're at the end of a cycle where Jamie Vardy isn't as effective or can be relied upon to play every game like he was. Yeah. You know, it looks like they're in a period of change. I'd imagine there's a... I feel like there's probably a few heads in the side as well that are looking at the next step now. Mm-hmm. They've probably done everything they can with Leicester and just looking for that next kind of like Barnes, your Madison, definitely, yeah. James Madison, um, yeah. You reckon, Pla- I reckon James Madison looks like a guy that's going to stay at Leicester forever You reckon? Now. Uh, yeah. Potentially. Um, I think he's probably... He's good enough to take that next step if he wanted to into like a top four side or a top five or six. Uh, which Leicester mm. should be, but if they're not going to be, I can see players like that getting a move. Um, yeah, you would think a Madison to come off the bench for like a Liverpool or a Man United or a City is just yeah. insane. What a great yeah. quality of like, player that is. Like we saw, um, I guess it never really worked out. Like I, I kind of compare it to Ross Barkley, mm-hmm. um, really killing it for Everton. And then he got that move to Chelsea. He couldn't really get a spot inside. So yeah, I don't know. It is a risk taking that step sometimes, but I can see a few players doing that. Maybe Brendy moves on. I don't know. They went after him pretty hard, though, Leicester. Um, so who knows? They, they're lucky to get their win on the weekend, I thought. But um, Leeds looked to be all over them. But they just had that one bit where they were a little bit more clinical and that was enough. That was it. That was Yeah, that was pretty much the most. Other than when uh, Strack took out uh, Vardy in the 10th minute and got booked for it, it looked mostly Leeds. And Leeds had a few clear-cut chances it, it just it speaks volumes that Schmeichel was man of the match. Yeah. So there you go, Leicester fans. Don't say we never talk about you. We're here. We hear you. Um, We're watching. You're yeah. Just middle, you're just mid-table mediocrity. They're just they're middling out. They're middling out at the moment. Um, what have I got next in my list here? We're going to talk about Aston Villa and Southampton, weren't we? Yeah. Good old Villa. Another mid-table side, but 
one that looks more promising and more exciting than Leicester? They do. Um, I get what just really wanted to make me talk, talk about this game was uh, my mate Danny Ings on the score sheet again. Hey, my I thought Danny. all the fa- all the favourites popped up. Ollie Watkins scored. Coutinho uh, scored. I don't, I don't know. He's, yeah, Watkins, yeah. I'm all about Danny Ings. Danny I'm here Ings. for Danny Ings, yeah. It was a beautiful finish too. Strikers finish. Um, I do, uh, do want to make note of uh, Coutinho though. He just looks like he's really enjoying his football at the moment, which is great to see. Great to see a player like that who's had the career he has had as well um, be happy with a move to somewhere like Villa just to get game time yeah. and showing like just turning it on again, showing what he can do. Obviously, playing under Gerrard. I saw a thing earlier today. I was reading Stephen Gerrard said that Coutinho probably finished Gerrard's career a little sooner than he would have liked because he came onto oh. the scene and was just... I'm assuming that's what he meant by that. Like he just came yeah. onto the scene and um was just turning it on and just being absolute world class, which he was at times. And he's showing glimpses of it again now. And it's just really fun to watch. They've got an exciting lineup. We've talked about Villa a bit in the in the past. Um, but with these signings, these new players coming in, they're just they're just good to watch. I liken the Coutinho's state of mind now, I liken to a, a later age Ronaldinho. And it just, it kind of looks like a guy that is just enjoying his football, plays with a smile on his face again. And like, like we said, when Villa played Leeds, Coutinho just gets a free role. Like he's not really expected to do much off the ball, even on the ball, he's not really expected. You want him to be picking up the loose spaces in between the midfield and defense. And on the games that he's allowed to do that, again, again, on the weekend against Southampton, the space was just so evident. They did not set up to deal with his presence whatsoever. He can be sensational, scintillating, clinical. And he, yeah, he's he's um, to watch. There's plenty of upside still there as well. Like he's still not 30. He doesn't turn 30 for a few months yet. Um, That's the thing. We've written him off really quick, hey? Yeah. I don't know if anyone's written him off, but he just, for whatever reason, Barcelona decided not to play him and then kept learning him out, learning him out. Um, It's just great to see. You hate to see a player that good um, who does, like that year... I was at one or two seasons at Liverpool where he just killed it. He smashed everyone, tore everyone to pieces. And you hate to see a player like that just drop off the radar and just disappear and not, not be doing it on the world stage anymore. And now he's back. I just, I'm loving it. I really enjoy that. So he's on, he's on loan from Barcelona at the moment. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bars. He was on loan to Bayern. Yeah. You know what? It's been a mess. If If it is still Barcelona, I could see him fitting into this rejuvenated Xavi side, actually, and being really devastating. Oh, I hope not. Don't go back to La Liga because I don't watch it. I, I, won't, now I won't watch 11, La Liga. 11 undefeated. They're looking good. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Southampton, we yeah, won't go too deep on them because we've, we've done them a bit the last few weeks, but their performance on the weekend was pretty much what we've been saying for the last few months about how they just they play such good football and then every now and again they have a day where they get absolutely blown off the park like they've got two nine nil losses um and this one looked like it could have been up, upwards of six or seven as well yeah and they got away with four but yeah oh, I, I don't understand how that happens they just have when they have a bad day they have a really bad day it's baffling because they had such a good performance in the uh, fa cup against west ham knocked west ham out and you saw the best of Southampton in that game. And then on the flip side, yeah, this is exactly it. I just I think they're such a 
a tactically sound side until they are beaten. And I, I reckon Stevie G undid them here. He had the he had the cattle and the capability to do it, executed his team perfectly. And Castle he didn't want to change what his formation. He didn't want to change the lineup. He didn't. He just stuck to it, and they got beat. It was just it was very reminiscent of like a Bielsa defeat. Yeah, it was. Um, that that's just what they do. They fall apart. Um, but other than that, I I quite like them. I get around that squad a bit. Um, Champions League. Same. Do we want to talk Same. Champions League? Yeah, we can get into a little bit of Champions League. Um, there's two games that are done. Obviously, that the I think Chelsea are definitely through, and uh, City are definitely through against Sporting. You don't think Liverpool are definitely through? Oh, sorry, Liverpool. That's what I meant. No, I did think Liverpool are, are through. Yeah, I think yeah. Liverpool are through. Uh, what was the other one you said? Sorry, Chelsea. That's not till next week. That's not but, next um, week. City Sporting. This week we've got Bayern, Salzburg, and Liverpool Inter on the Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. Man City Sporting and Real Madrid PSG. Uh, start with Bayern, Salzburg, if you like. Bayern have done that thing again, where they faltered in the Bundesliga in the lead up to the first leg game, and they did it again on the weekend against Leverkusen, who, you know, they have been free scoring of late, and they're definitely riding high in the league. Um, but there, there was no real reason for Bayern to drop this this game. They they put out a decent lineup, quite strong. They looked in control until a mad moment between uh, Thomas Muller and the goalkeeper, where just a lack of communication has seen Muller turn the ball into his own net. Interestingly, the first time he's ever done that in his career, he's never scored an own goal for Bayern Munich. So that's like four hundred plus games. Yep. As the captain, you know this in like the the tirade of abuse that he gave to the goalkeeper pr- after uh, the consolation of the goal. I don't know. It doesn't look all, it doesn't look like all as well at Bayern Munich at the moment. And, you know, we predicted it before Salzburg, they definitely put up a fight in the first leg. Could they upset? This would be one of the bigger upsets we've seen in the Champions League. It would be. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see it happen. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm doubtful. They, I got it wrong last time, but I still feel like this time they just come out and obliterate them and just absolutely put them to the sword, send a Maybe. message, rocket up them after dropping points again on the weekend. Like They're still in a pretty comfortable position in the Bundesliga, so um, they can afford to drop the odd game here and there, and Leverkusen are in decent form, so no shame in that. Um, no shame. Yeah, no, you're But right. Salzburg at home, you'd fancy him to do a big job on them. They should be a couple up early. There's just now, obviously, I'm number one Jesse Marsh fan club. Uh, I just I have a little bit of belief, a little bit of belief in this Salzburg team. I think they could yeah. they could upset this one here, and I would not be surprised to see them force this to extra time at the very least. Yep. So they got um, the other one that morning. Liverpool into uh, Liverpool already two 0 up after the away game. I don't think there's we don't really need to go into that, do we? I think they're pretty done deal. Pretty comfortable at home against Inter. Back in form, though, after a 5-0 win this weekend. But they're still Liverpool 2-0 up going into the game at home. Can't see anything changing there. Yeah. And the other, City, uh, what are they? They're coming home with, what, a 5-1, 6-1? 5 lead over Sporting. So get that in your Sporting. Cop that. Um, City, City in <laughs> a canter luck. through to the next round. And then that leaves us with Real Madrid PSG. Probably the biggest tie of the Champions League over both of the weeks. This is going to be a brilliant so, yeah. game. This is a yep. brilliant game. Um, good time to check in what, what's going on in France, given that PSG lost on the weekend. We love laughing when PSG lose, hey? 
It's the only time we talk about league oh, anymore. And so we should. <laughs> nice doing the business. Yeah. Former Wigan striker, Andy Delior. With what the uh, random with the goal to, to win. Yeah. <laughs> I only noticed that because I was I was watching the highlights of the game and I saw Delor score and I went, ah, I remember him from when I did a Wigan career mode in like 2013 <laughs> or some shit. Shout out FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That's um that a good goal. Well taken. It propels Nice into second, um, just in front of Marseille. It's again in these leagues, the race for European qualification is more interesting than than the league title. I think PSG are in front by thirteen points or something. So, yeah, you wouldn't see them throwing it away. But them losing on the weekend is probably a good sign for them coming in to this game. Uh, they obviously rested personnel heavily. They can do that given the lead they have in the league. I don't know. I don't know. This is a tough game. Where, where's your head at with this? They do. They do take an advantage into it. I think I, I'm backing Real Madrid to go through. Benzema double. I, yeah, Benzema double, get around him. <laughs> like, you know, you say rested players, but PSG went into that game on the weekend with Neymar, Messi, Di Maria, Wijnaldum, Marco Verratti, Danilo Pereira, uh, Marquinhos at the back. Um, there's a few out there from the back line. Um, no Idrissa Gay, but in the midfield, but no Mbappe, the obvious one, but just they look so average when they go forward. They just look like we, we say it every week. Every time they lose and we talk about PSG, we say the same things. They look like they're just waiting for someone who's really good to do something good, do something clever, do something magical like Mbappe did in the first leg. I, I think Real Madrid are going to do them at home. They're just the tactically better side. Uh, they're not as... They don't score as um, they don't they don't freely score as often as they'd probably like to Real Madrid, but neither did PSG, and I think they're just they'll be too solid at the back at home. They've got enough about them up front with Benzema, and I think they'll get it done. The experience in the midfield will stand up. Yeah, Modric, Cruz, I think they'll get through. Yep, that's a good shout. Modric did um, score a belter on the weekend as well, um, but it just plays in. This is the tie of the round for me. And I'm going to sit on the fence and not really make a call and just enjoy the game, I think. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's do that. Let's just enjoy the game. Um, that's all I've got, really, Champions League-wise. You got anything else? Uh, yeah, not really Not really Champions League, no. I mean, if we're going to play into, into Inter, that sort of flows into Serie A, I suppose. They had a good win, like you said, on the weekend. That title race is been blown back open again every week this title race in italy is just um doing swings and roundabouts i tell you what though this uh was it monday morning milan versus napoli huge or napoli hosting should say uh milan snatching a one nil win with a Giroud goal the first goal he scored away from the san siro puts milan back on top into with a game in hand still, though. Uh, but I, we just wanted to use this moment to talk about Oli Giroud, didn't we? Definitely. Um, what a man. Oli Giroud. I, and it brought it up because I had a, you know how Facebook does memories. I had a status come up from like 2012, 2013. And I was very brazenly declaring Giroud the best striker in the Premier League. And, <laughs> you know, whether or not that's correct or not, the football community put up a decent post today. And it details at Montpellier, he led the line as a club when their first ever league oh, title and was named the league's top scorer. 
At Arsenal, he won the Pushkas Award for a stunning backheeled scorpion kick, scored 105 goals, won three Community Shields and three FA Cups. At Chelsea, he won the FA Cup, scored in the final as the Blues won the Europa League and departed the club having lifted the Champions League. A World Cup winner, playing in every single game in France's tournament that they succeeded in. And now he scored vital winners against Inter Milan and Napoli to send AC Milan to top of Serie A as they chased their first Scudetto in 11 years. 11 trophies, 270 goals scored. Oli Giroud, in my mind, I would never place him with the greatest of the great strikers, but does he deserve to be up there? Uh, no, but he's in the group below. He's in the chasing pack. He's in sure. the pack that's coming yeah, up. Yeah, I, I still I think he's been disgracefully underrated for a lot of his career. Um, his hold-up play is just probably one of, the, none. one of the best in the world at the hold-up play. A big part of uh, the success France had. Um, even when he, like, he didn't score a goal in the World Cup, but they won. He wasn't in the team for the first game against Australia, and uh, the fans and a bunch of the players were upset with that. Griezmann, in particular, was annoyed at that because they knew how important Giroud was to the structure of the side. Um, what do he, he scored? He was. He's like the fastest person to 50 goals for France, wasn't he? Or have I got that wrong? I might have so. that wrong. Someone can Google that. That could be a thing. Someone check uh, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just like massively important to the team. And uh, those with the, the football brain seem to really get it and know what he's about. It's, I, I just I look at his honor list and think, how can we not consider him one of the greats? He's done everything in global football across the top leagues in Europe, internationally as well. His record stands for itself, 270 goals. And he's a guy that, you know, when I consider Henri technically brilliant, um, a guy that could create something out of nothing. And then you look at, you know, uh, Ronaldo's or Figo's, like just total born goal scorers. For me, Giroud composes elements of all of these things because he has that flair to score wicked scorpion kicks or crazy volleys or whatever. But then he does the grunt work. He's happy to wedge himself in between two center backs and try and hold the ball up. So yep. he, like you said, wildly underrated footballer and is doing the business in Italy this season. Yeah, he is. Um, he's on track to be Milan's first number nine to score double digits in the league. Um since like Inzaghi 12 years ago. So there's a stat for you. <laughs> um, yeah, just a, a great player who I've always enjoyed watching. A lot of ability hasn't, doesn't always, hasn't always worked out for him. But on the other hand, you could say it has worked out for him because he's, he's got the honors to his name, like you said. Yeah, no, just great to see him. He's hopefully just kicks on and continues to play. He seems like a guy that could play well on into his deep 30s. So. All the best to Oli. Um, is he gonna is he gonna fire Milan to a title this season? No. Still inters to win, or it's inters to win. That yeah. What about Juve? Fourteen unbeaten now. They are really coming with a head of steam. Nah, they won't. They won't catch all three of the teams in front of them. Oh, it's a god, oh, such a big call, man. I. They may pip a few at the post, but they won't finished top dog i don't think 
I mean, I say that they they are right up the ass of everyone, but <laughs> just uh, no, nah. screw you, <laughs> they could, they could be finding form right at the perfect time of the season, yeah, they coming could. into a Champions League. They could. Uh, interesting. This is definitely the it has been, and it will continue to be the most exciting title race to the end. Yep. Um, I don't know if you've got anything else, or we we're pretty much done for this week, unless we wanted to, unless we wanted to. S- Fucking send it at the Premier League again. Oh, I was gonna say that's the Kentucky tour done. We've done Europe. Um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to go after Mother England again? It's I don't know. I feel like people might tune out here if they haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if like, they made it this far, they're gonna want to hear whatever this rant, mm. unbridled opinion is. Look, we don't want to get all. We don't like getting into the politics too much. Um. And obviously, we we won't be discussing the ins and outs of the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, but <laughs> it's mainly because they don't want to hear what we have to say. It's, it's hard to ignore all the, I guess, all the all the solidarity making, <laughs> if that's what you could call it, with with the Ukraine. So, like the Kumbaya, we're watching the we're watching the Premier League on the weekend, and the Premier League logo and all the games are surrounded by a Ukrainian flag. We're holding minutes of silence and stuff for uh, victims and things like that. Um, all for it. Do not anyone for a second think I'm all like pro-Russia with this. But I asked, the question I ask is why now, really, with the Premier League? Um, they're f- all of a sudden like Abramovich uh, kind of jumping before he's pushed, I guess out of Chelsea, we're seeing in other sports everywhere, like even on FIFA, like Russian teams being removed from games. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how this in any way can help the situation. Um, but also like it's no mystery that there's been like war going on all around the world all the time. And then even war aside, what about all like all the human rights issues that football kind of, muddles the lines with like we're all happy no one's happy now with like Abramovich he's got to go but we're happy to sit here with Newcastle's money Man City's money we're happy to have a World Cup in Qatar you know I'm I'm talking about all sports here by the way they're all doing this like Formula One did it this week got rid of uh, the team got rid of their Russian driver and sponsor but and got rid of the Russian Grand Prix but they've been happy to have Grand Prix in like Dubai and in in Saudi Arabia and in random places in the desert for money that has been money that's been gathered through questionable means. Um, And yeah, we're all going to sit here and act like we give so much of a fuck about this, but we're all going to still get around a World Cup in Qatar in a few months' time. Doesn't sit right with me, man. No, I agree. I mean, this same World Cup in Qatar, did you see the story about the... She's not a journalist, but she was, or she's like a sports administrator or something for one of the nations. And, you know, unfortunately she was, she was raped. And then as a result, because it was uh, uh, like a sexual encounter outside of a marriage, she was subjected yeah. to jail and lashings. Yeah. And like, I did see this, this is, this is happening in the nation that we're staging world cup in nine yeah. months time. Like, it's just, yeah. It, it, it boggles the mind. It's absolutely beyond comprehension. These things are happening in um, territories and states that own football clubs in the Premier League. 
So, like, you know, I'm not saying don't get behind Ukraine, um, you know, have their flags up and whatever, do all that stuff, the minute silence, the minute of applause, whatever it is. But, you know, we, you, we're falling into massive hypocrisy territory right now. Um, oh, yeah. Dude, the biggest I've hypocrisy said it before, is... But yeah. The biggest hypocrisy is the the Celtic fans when they showed solidarity uh, solidarity with Palestine, uh, Palestine, and they were fined, condemned by UEFA and the media, and yep. then the you know the Botto Glimt fans show the solidarity for Ukraine and it's praised and it's pushed forward as the you know yeah the, the way forward. It's just it's that thing where you can't it's it's the it's the proper thing where you either keep politics out of sport or you embrace all politics in sport. You yeah. can't have this middle ground where something is acceptable and, ex- yeah. you know, pro- and th- proliferated and not. We would all, ideally, we'd all love a world where you can keep politics out of sport, but we've said it on here before. You can't, so, yeah. you can't do it. It doesn't exist because, you know, in the world of football, we've got clubs and teams that were founded on, you know, certain uh, beliefs and on certain uh, political standpoints. You've got, um, You've got fan bases that, you know, are entrenched in all that sort of stuff, working class cultures that are very passionate about their views. So, like, you can't – It's you're not going to have it without it, without the politics. It's going to be there somewhere. Um, like I said, we've just got to – I don't know, just – yeah, fuck this World Cup. It's basically my fuck point. Fuck the World Cup. What do you make of the Chelsea fans um, during the a minute's applause in solidarity with Ukraine at the Burnley game chanting Roman Abramovich's name? <laughs> I I don't know. I haven't seen it myself. So um, I guess I just have to take Twitter's word for it because I haven't seen it personally. Um, but I, I don't know if I'd read too much into that. Just dumb football banter again. Not You're reading the, banter. Not reading the room. Not reading read the room. It. I don't think they're... Yeah, go there's on. A few, there's a few Chelsea fans that feel targeted um, by this whole this whole Russian exclusion of Spartak Moscow and whatever else. They feel like they're being unfairly painted as like villains in this scenario when, you know, maybe they are villains. That's this on is them. Maybe, this is maybe what we've been saying for 15 to 20 years now. Like you could never account for this guy's wealth. He's come into the UK washed his dirty money through the system in order to establish you know security grounds financial links between russia and the uk there's a whole other issue with the uk relying on russian money oligarchical money gazprom you know yeah. there's no surprise the champions league was being held in moscow there's no surprise the world cup was held in russia in 2018 yeah these are the financial sponsorship links that they have been establishing all this time and always the end goal is to pacify as many people as possible and then instigate these kind of heinous acts. And with Russia, they've decided we're going to, we're going to say no in more of a symbolic signaling way and not, you know, really we should be saying Roman, the club doesn't belong to you anymore. You're not going to get any of your money back, but instead they're going to allow him to sell it, recoup, not all of his losses, but recoup some of the money on the club and scuttle away when he is one of, Putin's main men. Like there's just there's no yeah. there's no passion about it. This is the guy that he sent into the UK to establish links to allow financial investment. And he did it and he succeeded. And now all of a sudden we're throwing our hands up in the air saying, Oh, he's why are we being targeted? Why is he a bad guy? Yeah. All of the reasons people have been saying forever. Yep, exactly. Um, and people aren't happy with it now. 
with how that like it's dirty money. But then, you know, we've got the um like we said before, you've got we can't be so unhappy with what's happening to Ukrainian people and then but accepting what goes on in other countries like Saudi Arabia and Qatar and then taking that money and getting on board for World Cups and things. Yeah. It's just I mean, bollocks to me. You could even bring it more back to Western uh, like uh, faces and say we shouldn't allow any American ownership because when has America not bombed some poor despot nation in the Middle East for resources, yeah. for it's, political gain? It could go in circles around and round and round and round, and so could we. We could go on so round and round. We. Instead, I'd rather just point you in the direction of uh, there's some good reading out there if you ever want to get around this stuff. But um, the Billionaires Club by James Montague is a book about. There's a whole section about the Russian oligarchs and how they've got their money, the means um, they got, what they did to make sure they could get their hands on cash. Um, uh, the Saudi Arabian states as well. Um, there's also Jonathan Nicholson's Can We Have Our Football Back about the working class culture of football, which is another good read if you want to get around them. Also, keep getting around us online on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Nightshift Football, uh, com. You can get all our pod episodes on there or you can listen through Apple or Spotify. Hey, if you're on Apple or Spotify, by the way, and you're listening and you get a chance, leave us a review. They got reviews on there. Leave us one. Five stars preferably, but, you know, it's up to you. I'll leave it with you. Thanks for listening. Tune in for, uh, we'll have 56.1 out this week as well. We'll talk about Adelaide's big win away to Perth. Catch ya. See you.